Hello. Hello. And welcome to Bite Size Podcast. I'm Tally. I'm Adrian. And this is a show about uh, tech stuff and internet things and, and culture, and we're still doing social media. Yeah. This is our talk show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Oh my gosh. This whole series has been really illuminating. Made me want to spend less time online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also uh, more time. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Research and things are definitely a thing. And also it's just, it's hard to like, there's like, it's like the duality of man, you know, it's like, I want to distance myself from this thing that I know is evil, but also if I distance myself from it, then it's one, you know? Yeah. If I distance <laughs> myself from the digital world, then I am distanced from the world itself. Yeah, the world at large, man. It's a rough, it's a rough time. Yeah, like for but... instance, over New Year's Eve, uh, we didn't go anywhere, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. So we did a FaceTime with Ben and Nora. <laughs> nice. And that's uh, that's how we partied. It's a way to party. Yeah. Hell yeah. It was super dope. And then we watched yeah. Escape from New York. <laughs> oh, dude. Hell yes. Dude, Snake Plissken. That's my shit. I've just been watching. I've literally watched all of the three seasons of Cobra Kai. I'm about oh to God. finish it I'm not today. surprised. But in like a all. day. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, like, if, if for those of you that don't know, my screen name pretty much everywhere except for Twitter is Karate Kid Jr. And it's like my favorite movie of all time. And, like, I also like the second one and the third one. And also um, the new Karate Kid with um, Hilary Swank. Not the one with Jackie Chan, because that whole thing was just, honestly, it was so bad. (laughs) I didn't Um, even watch it. Yeah, I think I've seen it maybe once or twice, like, ever in my life. Um, And I didn't like it. But I was really skeptical about Cobra Kai because it started out as, like, a YouTube plus series like youtube was developing it or whatever oh i did and know that. um yeah like a while ago like before it's like they took it over on netflix so it was on like youtube and i saw a couple ads for it and i was like i really don't fucking like this because it makes daniel out to be the bad guy right, you know right. like he you know wins the championship and like ends up being like so great and like turns into like a piece of shit because he's like a car dealer or whatever <laughs> and like kind of like a little bit of that has happened but he's like still you know daniel son and that's what it is and then also like getting a piece of like backstory into the characters is really cool um, I won't give away too many spoilers, but yeah, I've just been binge watching it because that's my life. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to do? Right. <laughs> yeah, God, I love the 80s. Oh my God. I'm so <laughs> mad that I couldn't be born in the 80s. Is that it's a really, ringtone? It is. It's my, I, it was my alarm going off to tell me uh, to be ready to record. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's 3.30 here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how have you how have you been? Uh, how was your holidays? Good. Holidays were good. Um, nice and calm. And we didn't have to commit to too many things, which is great. And I love that. And I want to do that forever. But I know that is not 
forever for me. So I really just enjoyed (laughs) it while it lasted. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's kind of like this whole year has just been a back and forth uh, flow of being upset about things that you can't really change, but then also realizing that there's like positives in the negatives and trying to work with that as much as possible. For Um, real. And I think that that's something important to carry over into 2021. Like, even when we, um, like, if we do end up getting vaccinations and everything works out and, like, everything's fine by the end of the summer and, like, we're back to normal, like, I think everything that happened over the past year, it's something that we still have to, like, very much internalize and take with us. And we can't just, like, oh, everything's back to normal and we can, like, pretend like everything's fine now. Um, Because I feel like it taught us a lot about public health. Yeah. It taught us a lot about... Um, what's how, going on with like our how government. how quickly germs <laughs> can spread. Yeah, yeah. Like, insane, insane things that you never even think about before um, that you just kind of do in everyday life without thinking about. Um, like, even, like, a sneeze. Like, something as harmless as a fucking sneeze, yeah. you know, is completely fucking different now um, for so many generations of people. And... So hopefully good things will come out of this, but mostly I think it's just remembering all the shit that we went through this year and like not letting that kind of wish to take a breath of fresh air um, keep us from remembering everything that did happen so that we can be more prepared when things don't necessarily go to plan in the future. Yeah, for sure. And also, we're fucking badass. Like, oh my god, we're still, we're like, we're here, we're doing it, we're doing the thing, you know? Things could be so much worse all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there could be so much worse things. But that's the thing, too, is, like, we are doing great, but for some people out there, things are the worst, which is... Right. Sad. Another thing to think about. Yeah. It's honestly, there's really just not like a whole lot that you can say about it other than just like, I'm really glad that the year is over and that we have a new start in this fresh year so that hopefully we can make progress towards better things. For sure. (laughs) That's where I'm at. Do you have a New Year's resolution? Um, I am of the camp that if you need to make changes, you should do it right then. Um, so right. I don't necessarily do resolutions, um, but I do have, like, goals, if that counts as resolutions. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, they're mostly, like, selfish, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think is fine, since they're mine, but... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, we're just doing... We got some goals for the burlesque troupe and some goals for the studio, which I think are going to be really good and cool to work with. Because that's one thing good that happened with the pandemic is um, we now have like a whole technological side to those things and like offering virtual tickets and um, all kinds of shit. So it's really cool that that happened and we can incorporate that moving forward forever, regardless of if there's pandemic or not. Absolutely. Yeah, that's super. And that's a lot of people, too, like the ability to um, stream things to a a broader audience is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we now have like a like also just not even like 
in terms of like just your like dance company, but also like um, just the broader network as a whole has a lot better infrastructure for things like that now. Yeah. Or is trying to like transition into having a better infrastructure for things like that. Um, so I think that that's, that's a positive benefit. Hopefully we'll see uh, essentially government subsidized uh, internet. That'd be fiber dope. optic. Yeah, yeah, that I would be a great move for me to to for everyone to see. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and something that I feel like would have made this a lot easier is if it was all managed under one source and there wasn't any kind of like data throttling, um, and everyone is just paying one price because <laughs> it's pretty decently affordable to do. Yeah, well, and so. like <laughs> you know, it's a utility. So mm-hmm. let's yeah. let's start trading it like one instead of a luxury. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have so, uh, yeah. resolutions and goals? Um, I think I have like more like you were saying, like I have goals for the things that I want to accomplish this year. Um, I think that like you're saying, changes is like it's something that's like free free flowing and it's like if something is like causing you a problem, you should change it while it's causing you a problem and <laughs> yeah. not wait until the end of the year or beginning of the new year to do anything about it. Yeah. So, like, don't run all of your stuff into the ground just waiting for the next year to start. Right, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Also, like, don't make a problem worse by, like, waiting Yeah. to, like, solve it is my thing. Yeah. So, But well, I do have goals, like, for this year, yeah. Do you want to tell us one? Yeah. I was... <laughs> sorry. They're like, I want to fit 12 Sharpies in my body. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) No, I... So this year I am going to Maine, which I'm super excited about. I'm also very excited about that. Just like for you and also to come visit you. Yes, because it's going to be beautiful and amazing, and I'm really excited to kick it in one of those fucking, like, yurt-ass, fucking luxury-ass yurts. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I said yurt twice, but I don't care. <laughs> you also said ass twice, so it's fine. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the year of duplicity, you know? Um, but, no, so I'm, I'm moving to Maine over the summer um, for a job, and it's a really, really good job, and I'm really, really excited about the team that I'm going to be working with. Um, when I did my interview with the general manager of the property, uh, she sounded like my mom over the phone at first, oh my which God, like did your heart threw melt? me off. It literally did. I was like, cause she answered the phone like the same way that my mom oh. answers the phone. And I was like, I, like literally like it took me back for a second. I was like, what the fuck? And then she like started talking and I was like, okay, she, kind of she sounds almost exactly like my mom but like there's like some subtle differences and um and she like I'm pretty sure she comes from like event management and so she's like been around the industry for a while and seems like someone who's like really dedicated to hard work and like customer experience which is like a big reason why anybody gets into the outdoor industry in general or the resort industry in general is because 
um, a huge aspect of that for that for us is conservation is like these people don't have an opportunity to see the way that things are out here all the time. And so we're giving them that opportunity in like a closed environment. Right. So maybe they'll appreciate it so that, you know, I can keep skiing as an older person and not in an indoor facility because the world is on fire. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <It'd be job. laughs> yeah. Um, so she, um, she seems really down to earth and, and I'm really excited to work for her. And also like, it's the first place that the sunrise touches, uh, North America. Oh my where God. I'm gonna be. How magical. Yeah. So it's, uh, I'll be, like, right up next to a place called Cadillac Peak, which is, like, where you can go to see the first sunrise in North America. So I'm, like, really fucking excited about it. Um, I've never been that far north on the East Coast. I spent some time in, like, Baltimore and Washington, D.C., but I haven't been to New York. I haven't been to Boston. So I'm excited to go to both of those places and spend the summer there. And I think that's kind of, like, my main thing. And then just... (laughs) Your um, main thing? My main thing. (laughs) Um, My secondary is, like, I'm finally, like, starting to think about wanting to try and find a place to live for the rest of my life, maybe. Haunted mansion. Um, Right. That would be great. And the East Coast, I feel, like, super viable for that. All of them. TBH. (laughs) Yeah. Every mansion on the East Coast haunted. Yes. Clearly. 100%. You can tell by the way that they are. Right. I'll just end up living in Salem, Massachusetts. It's fine. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you can come spend Halloweens. <laughs> yeah. I really want to live in Sleepy Hollow. And I've been looking, like, every other month I look for, like, apartments or houses in Sleepy Hollow or the nearby area. But it turns out that's, like, where rich people live. Yeah. Uh, so I yeah. could never... <laughs> Yeah, honestly, uh, Massachusetts is fucking expensive um, in most of the places. So is, like, anywhere on the East Coast, though. I was even looking at, like, places in, like, Portland, Maine, um, and, like, places in New Hampshire, and it's, like, massively expensive. But also their, like, cost of living is a little bit higher, Yeah, which things is nice. are different. Or a little bit lower, sorry. Um, um, like, yeah, you get pays, paid more. Yeah, the pay is yeah. different. Yeah, so it's a little bit, It's it equals out, I'm sure. It's just from someone coming from, like, the Midwest or, like, here where I have subsidized housing, seeing, like, $1,600 for a studio apartment. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like it's not, not great. So, but anyway, so I'm, like, trying to establish a place to live so that's kind of like the biggest goal of this year is like looking at all of the places along the way because I know that I really don't want to live in Colorado as much as I enjoy that area like I'm not a Colorado person yeah um I think I would be into possibly looking at New Mexico next summer if the east coast doesn't work out but I'm uh I'm, I feel like I would be a good fit for the east coast and everything that I've seen of it I've loved so far so I'm really excited to spend time out there um, and then start, like, saving to, like, money to put down on, like, a house over the next two years. Yeah, I would love to end up on the East Coast. Yeah. I'm a West Coast gal. I was, you know, I was born here. I spent so much time here. Um, and I'm just ready to experience something different. And I feel like the West Coast is, is all very new. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I 100% agree. I really like the feel of the East Coast so much more. 
I think it's because I'm an old lady. Like, yeah, at heart. Exactly. I'm a fucking old lady, and I need to be in a place that's old and, and I feels like the old. Fall. <laughs> also the fall. Also, in Maine, it doesn't get above, like, 82 degrees oh, where shit. I'm at. Also, they have lobster. <laughs> yeah, lobster. I'm, like, I literally, I told my friend, Nick, I was like, I'm gonna eat lobster, like, every fucking day. And then he asked his, like, brother-in-law, he's like, you've lived here for forever. If you Do we, you eat lobster every day? And he's like fuck no and i was like okay listen i have an apartment that i don't have to fucking pay for mm-hmm. i'm not paying any fucking bills other than my student loans and my car insurance i am 100 percent gonna eat lobster as much as possible Dude, maybe yeah. not every day but at least once a week it's like lobster thursday <laughs> or something <laughs> exactly literally <laughs> and a crab so. cake and some clam chowder I can't do clam chowder. Why? Because you're allergic or you think it's gross and weird? No, I used to love clam chowder, actually, but I went to the pier in San Francisco and I had a bowl of clam chowder that was off. Uh, Did you finish it? A whole lot. I didn't know that it was off. It didn't taste off. I thought you were like eating and you're like, hmm, this tastes off. I better finish it to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I didn't know that it was off. And I'm sure like it might have been like... And it didn't taste off, so it might not have just been, like, the clam chowder. Like, it might have been, like, something I had eaten earlier right. that day or later that day. But what I threw up was all clam chowder. Okay, was the clam chowder in a bread bowl? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, it probably wasn't the clam chowder then. <laughs> right. But all I threw up was clam chowder. And now every time that I even smell it, I just remember throwing up so much and so violently. And yeah. I can't. That sucks. <laughs> Yeah, so I can't really eat clam chowder anymore. Every time um, I fly out of Seattle, I get clam chowder in a bread bowl. <laughs> yeah, just yes. in the airport. I don't know. Uh, see, why, I can do chili. That's what I or do. Or corn chowder. Corn chowder is fucking amazing. It's the same thing as clam chowder, except with corn, which is the seafood of the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it really is. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Those are my goals, to go to the East Coast, to make it there alive, <laughs> and also look for a place to, like, settle down for the rest of my life. Possibly. Oh, my God. Big year. It is. Big year. It is. Cool. Yeah. Great. Should we talk about the uh, the big boys? Yeah, this is this is the big one, you guys. It's the final app. <laughs> Didn't sound right after I said it. <laughs> I am here for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> the last episode. Yeah, this is. This is the last time we're going to talk about social media. For um, now. Yeah, for now. Uh, so series, if this yeah. is your first time tuning in, you shouldn't start here. No. I mean, you could. There's lots of... I guess. I, mean, I suppose it's not really chronological. So, like, I mean, technically you could start here if you really wanted to, but you shouldn't. Where you should start is, like, a couple seasons back. Our first series, Porn in the Internet. Yeah. (laughs) And then listen all the way up. Or if you want to start at the beginning of this series, you can do that too. Yeah. You can Uh, do really whatever you want, I guess. We're just here to, like, kind of guide you. Just And also influence your choices. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I am going to tell you and all of our listeners about MySpace. (laughs) Oh, fuck yeah. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm yeah. literally so oh, excited. Oh my god. Okay, so MySpace. You may have heard of it. You may have had one. You may still have one to this day. 
that you haven't there's locked into a possibility, in 10 there's years. There's also a possibility that they haven't seen or heard of MySpace either, which is terrifying. Yeah, that's totally true and completely understandable because it died so long ago. <laughs> it really, really did. Like 2000, yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Like 2009, technically, is oh like when God. people started dying. Well, let we'll me talk tell about you about it right now. Yeah. Um, so it. a quick overview. MySpace is an American social networking site, and it was actually the largest one in the world between 2005 and 2008. So it's kind of a big deal, you guys. It was a massive deal. Dude, it was, it was fucking a massive huge. deal. It paved the way for everything we have right now. It really did. So at the time, it was reaching over 100 million users per month, um, but it has been declining steadily ever since Facebook took over. <laughs> no surprise. Right. Right. Um, it was the first social uh, network to reach users globally and helped other sites like YouTube grow. Uh, MySpace was basically everyone's own personal website. A profile could be completely customized using HTML code, which is super cool because so many people learned how to code with fucking MySpace and a lot of them i'm sure went into coding as a career choice right um, i think that's just like a bunch of people that i know still know like basic like html coding in general like did you take an html class when you were in school uh i think so but um i'm like it was part 400 of years old so computers <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember, like, I made a little website page when we were in, like, middle school. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm talking like, yeah. about. Like, we did HTML in, we learned how to, like, code in Notepad and make your own website, and you could preview it before you purchased a domain. And obviously, we never purchased domains, right. so, like, we could, like, make a real-ass fucking thing. Yeah, I made one on Jaguars. Mm-hmm. The cat, not it's the amazing. car. I made one on tree houses. Dope. That's so fitting. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So the HTML thing with MySpace um, and people coding. So this all happened, um, like the HTML stuff and people like changing their profiles and whatnot. That was all due to the developers not blocking the ability for the users to do so. It was a happy little accident, if you will. Um, really yeah so as a result people added like all kinds of shit to their profiles like they changed the background color but sometimes it was an image and sometimes it was a moving image and you could change all the text and the colors and the fonts and like all of the headings and just like Put media players yeah like everything was fucking customizable which is super cool and not like what we have today um, right and some people, like, even made, like, side cash by creating these layouts and stuff and selling them to people because some people just didn't want to learn and that's totally fine and they're allowed to not learn that. And people would just make these pre-made layouts and give the person the code and be like, this is how you do it. And then they would make money doing that and that's super dope and good for them. Mm. I hope they're selling, like, Gucci bags or something right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so along with the customizable profile, users could also choose songs to autoplay when people landed on their page. Um, you could even pick multiple songs. So it was like your own playlist. Like people come to your profile and immediately all your favorite jock jams are playing. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Mine is Zombie Nation. <laughs> 
Man, I can't even remember what that my fucking last... one that you always hear at hockey games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't on my profile, but maybe I should go back. I can't even log into my old MySpace profile. All I remember is that I know for a fact that it was so fucking cringy because it was all pictures of me with like I had like a fucking black and white fucking peacock. Oh fuck uh, yeah. And like <laughs> just such bad eyeliner and like all of my pictures, like I had turned the contrast and the brightness like way the fuck oh, up. Oh yeah, that's what you so did. So they all looked like super edgy and cool. And I just know for a fact that it was fucking terrible. However, I do have a picture of the first snowboard that I ever rode <gasps> um, on there somewhere. I think it's gone now at this point. Like, there has to have been, like, some sort of, like, server cash dump. No, they're, they're literally like, all still there. Fuck, man. <laughs> they're literally it, all still I there. I know that it's there. I know that it's there. It's yeah. just I'm never going to be able to access it. I'm going to go hunt it down. Mine? Oh, please. I've, like, tried before, and it, like, I can't find anything. I know, I'm pretty sure that it's Tally, T-A-L-L-Y. Okay, okay, Not T-A-L-I, because at the time when I made the decision to go by Tally, was about in middle school, and it was because I really liked this character from a book called The Uglies. And the main character's name was Tally, and I really related to her. Oh, cute. Kind of. <laughs> so, like, you know, I mean, like, I guess when you're that age, like, you are doing whatever you can to invent yourself. Yeah, that's so true. You're trying I ended to up it transferring out. schools, and I was like, perfect, this is a fresh start. I'm not going to go by Natalia anymore. I'm going to go by Tally, and that's how it's going to be. And here um, we are today. Yeah. And then I think when I got into, when I moved to Rapid City for like my last couple of years of high school, um, I started going by T-A-L-I because I was like, okay, that makes sense. You just chop off the front half yeah. and the back half. It's makes great. more sense. <laughs> yeah. And apparently I'm not the only person named Natalia that's made that decision because I actually know a couple others named Tally and Talia um, that did the same thing, that their full names are Natalia. So, so there you go. <laughs> name history uh but if you but if you can find it absolutely hell yeah because i would love to look at that and then cry <laughs> cool dope i'll let you know cool <laughs> okay so with um playlists and all that stuff there was also the infamous top eight where a person could choose to cruelly rank their friends and oh. you could uh pick who of your friends would be in your top eight, which was displayed prominently on your profile, and it would create this unnecessary drama when you moved your friends from a top spot down to, like, a second tier or, like, not even in your top eight at all. Yeah. Um, And then eventually they did, like, top four, and I think that they even did, like, top 12 and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, I I think there was even, like, a top 50. Yeah. For, like, bigger accounts, yeah. But, yeah, I remember people being fucking upset that, you know, someone would move a friend down a space or two and be like, this fucking bitch, or whatever. I can definitely remember having conversations with people that were like, uh, why, why am I not your top one, and yeah. like, your first, your number one friend anymore, and it's like, well, I mean, like, it's between all three of you, like, you guys are all so great, like, don't even think about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> so dumb. But it it's also, literally like, the um, dumbest thing. Like, as a callback to our, uh, 
the scene and sticky drama stuff that we talked about, like all the scene right. kids that like fucking got on MySpace fame really, really utilized that top eight and it played into so much of that drama and all of those stories. Um, it was absolutely. Weird. So yeah. here's some history. Back in 2003, there was another social network website called Friendster, which was similar mm. and yet lesser than MySpace, and several of the employees from there decided to make their own network that like pretty much mimicked a lot of the things that Friendster did, and they whipped up MySpace in about 10 days and then just fucking plunged forward, and Tom Anderson, the infamous MySpace Tom... Um, he was the first acting president and Mm -hmm. let's see, I lost my place. Oh, at its peak, which was 2007, it was seeing 323,000 users a day and had become the most visited website in the USA. Jesus. Yeah. Um, everybody wanted to buy it. It like exchanged hands so many times and even Justin Timberlake owned it for like a quick minute. That's so funny considering everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. um it was valued at 12 billion dollars like that's Hmm. how fucking hot that shit was uh but in early summer of 2008 facebook began to take over um and i'm sure Mm. you are going to tell us so much about that (laughs) yeah oh my god (laughs) yeah so, um, you know, Facebook opened its doors to everybody instead of just college kids. And then after that happened, uh, MySpace, instead of, like, trying to expand and, you know, compete, they just, like, stuck to their fucking gum- guns and, like, continued to be this platform that was surrounded by music and entertainment, which is cool. But that's kind of what led to its downfall is because people wanted more of that social network aspect. Like, they wanted to connect with people and, like, the music was cool and whatever. But at the heart of it all, people were just trying to connect with people from all over. Um, So since MySpace did that, they fucking kind of died. And it just kept digging its heels in even more. And when Facebook started creating platforms for other, like, outside creators to develop applications and stuff, MySpace didn't even try to compete with that. They still just stuck to in-house everything, and that also um, made people want to leave because they could go do cooler stuff on a different website. Right. Um, and sucks. Yeah, and MySpace tried a bunch of different things to compete like how they thought would be a competition, but it really wasn't Um, like they tried different kinds of like instant messaging that no one fucking cared about. They tried different um, like video and music players. They even tried a virtual karaoke machine, which I didn't know about until I started doing this research. And now Hmm. I can't stop wondering what the fuck that was like. (laughs) Right. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, they also created like profile editing tools and, like, a, cu- a few other things that just seems, like, really gimmicky and really geared just towards MySpace, but it didn't offer any depth at all. It didn't offer any of that social media aspect that people wanted. Um, so the people, the people left, and now it's just mostly inhabited by musicians and sex workers. Yeah. 
<laughs> and we talked a little bit about that on uh, in our first series, um, which is porn in the internet, which you can go back and listen to. So yeah, yeah, super cool. So now let's talk about these scene kids that really fucking took over and shaped MySpace. <laughs> Absolutely, because you pretty much can't talk about MySpace unless you talk about scene. You kids. can't. Oh, they my God. are the same thing, pretty much. Ugh, um, one of the same. The fucking scene kids, dude. They reigned supreme all over MySpace. Like, I don't know what people did if they weren't involved with scene kids on MySpace. Like, I don't know what you did otherwise. Um, right. They all had thousands of friends somehow, which was fucking crazy at that time. <laughs> right. And they all had, like, so many pictures of just, like, their hair and, like, their bright clothes and then their, like, tiny little bodies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone was, like, not eating, um, and their hair was so big. <laughs> right. Everyone was not eating, and their hair was so big. <laughs> their proportions yeah. were crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, I actually was having a conversation with my little sister about this um, a couple days ago. It was, like, it's coming back through, like, the TikTok scene thing. Um, like, scene kids? Yeah, scene kids are making a comeback, and it's so dumb. Like, I'm talking, like, straight-up, laced-up fucking arm warmers and everything. Like, it's bad, and I was having a conversation with her because she was watching me go through my scene phase when she was, like, you know, impressionable. A baby child, yeah. Because she's, you know, six years younger than me. And I just straight-up told her, I was like, dude, like... I don't want it to come back because, first of all, it was ugly as shit. I don't know who ever told us that that was a good fucking look, first of all. Literally no one did. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, um, this the whole, like, scene music, the things that it talked about, um, the people that were involved in it, like, it boils down to, like, there was it was rampant with things like eating disorders. Um, it was very, it became, like, ego, ego, ego. Right. And there was huge amounts of, like, pedophilia and things, like, things that are still, like, even surfacing now that we didn't fucking know about when we were all going through that shit. Like, for example, the whole thing with the guy from Brand New that was, like, he was, like, requesting nudes from underage women and things like that. It's, like, it cultivated this, like, mentality and this scene throughout the entire thing. And it was just really ugly and gross. And I like wish I don't wish that upon anybody. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are still struggling to like overcome a lot of stigma from that time in our lives. And it, it really fucking sucks. Yeah, it really does. But, but also mostly it's ugly. (laughs) Mostly it's ugly. Oh my God. It's so fucking ugly. Yeah. Ever. Oh, I mean like, Different colored hair is one thing, but, like, the things that bitches did to their hair. Oh, my God. It just looked like you fucking dug a bunch of shit out of the trash and stuck it on your head. That's literally what happened, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, MySpace uh, was special for scene kids because MySpace really did go hand in hand with music. And music was at the center of, um, like, the scene kid movement. (laughs) And, um, so like all these carefully curated playlists and, um, like wearing the right band shirt and like all of this shit was like so important in the MySpace scene culture and it was an elitist thing. Yeah. And you were either like super colorful candy kid or you were like only wear black and there was no in between. (laughs) 
And that's what they would call emo back in the day. And so yeah. we all grew up and realized what 90s emo was. Yeah. Sweater, not Math makeup. Rock. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really hard to articulate like exactly what it was unless you really saw it firsthand because the shit was fucking crazy and bizarre. Um, and the fact that it's being recreated is troubling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was back when people used digital cameras to take selfies. <laughs> oh, God, Jesus. Because our oh, cell phones didn't the really have cameras on them yet. <laughs> no. Uh, and they, even if they did, they weren't really good ones. Do you remember the Motorola Razor? Oh, yeah. Because I do. Yeah. Jesus. So, yeah, in the end, um, probably one of the other reasons that MySpace failed was because it was just, like, this huge popularity contest, but people weren't building each other up like we see now. Like, there wasn't really any sense of camaraderie and community. It was just, like, I have more friends than you, so you have to listen to what I say. And it was super fucking weird, and, like, there was no loyalty. Everyone would just follow different scene queens. <laughs> it was fucking weird. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> it was... I don't know. I, I look back at that time in my life, and and also, like, I mean, you're you're a little bit older than me, but, like, for me, being that young and going through all of that shit was deeply damaging. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I was... Um, I was late to the MySpace game. Um, I was only on MySpace, I think, a year. Um, because by mm -hmm. the time I joined, people were already going to Facebook. And then I was late to Facebook, too. Mm. Um, some, somehow missed all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you're not missing much. Because, like I said, deeply damaging stuff. Yeah, I just caught not the a good time. of it. Um, but, yeah, right. I wanted to talk about some of the controversies, even though there's, like, 400,000 of them. Right. <laughs> uh, so MySpace created like weird party problems. Um, like people would advertise that there would be these huge parties and they would it would get spread around and a bunch of strangers because people were just like adding friends left and right because it was a popularity contest. So then they had all right. these strangers and all kinds of fucking people would show up to these parties and they were like these huge fucking crazy blowouts. And one such party was hosted by Corey Worthington, a six-year-old boy from Melbourne, Australia, and um, he had advertised on MySpace that there was going to be this big old party, and it attracted, like, over 500 people. Wait, he people. was six? 16. Oh, 16. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, he had, uh, but... and it attracted over um, 500 people to this party. Oh, my God. And the like police, Project X. <laughs> yeah, and the police were called, obviously, um, but then everyone started attacking the police cars, and then there were there was a dog squad that had to get brought in, and then there were Jesus. helicopters brought in because it just, the party would not dissipate. It's not the party, dude. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, Don't let the man get you down. <laughs> the, the incident received international coverage for how fucking crazy it was. Dang, that kid's probably the coolest fucking... He probably... Oh, man. I can only imagine. Yeah. Unless he went to, like, jail or something. Yeah, who knows? And then in 2007, a 17-year-old British girl hosted a party that was distributed all over MySpace. Um, and it was reportedly subtitled... Like, her little invitation thing was, Let's trash the average family-sized house disco party. <laughs> Dang, I'm and here for it. Her parents were left with an approximately... $48,000 bill from the police. 
Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god, I'd be so fucking mad. <laughs> this is why I'm like, I don't have children. I'll just have a dog. My yeah. dog can't invite 5,000 people to my suburban home and just completely demolish no. it, you know? No, dogs would he never. sleeps. <laughs> a dog would never. Yeah. And then, like you were mentioning, child predators, um, of course, ruin everything on the internet. Right. So, in 2006, another 16-year-old girl, um, an American, she flew to Israel after tricking her parents into letting her get a passport in order to hook up with this uh, 20-year-old she met through MySpace, and um, U.S. officials in Jordan pursued the teen um and, like, had to track her down and take her home. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, what are you doing? Um, and then... How do, you, how do parents let that happen is my, like... I well, don't know. I think I in 2006, things were different. Right. And I guess that I've grown up through it. So now it's, like, if I'm ever a parent, like, maybe I'll be, like, that helicopter like, anything could happen, ass bitch, you well, know? Well, I think that's probably how we got helicopter parents is because we were all latchkey kids. <laughs> right, right. And then Jesus. we're like, holy shit, remember how we almost died or got abducted or... Right. Yeah. Do you remember no one ever asked where we went? <laughs> ever? Yeah, and do you remember what we were doing? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yes. Sure, yeah, so... show enough. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then there were also bullies as there always is on social media um one of them one instance was um in 2006 a 13 year old uh, her name is megan she committed suicide after being the victim of cyberbullying um instigated by the mother of a friend who posed as a 16 year old named josh oh my god yeah like so this mom (sighs) Created a fucking fake profile and was, like, being a dick to Megan. And then she killed herself because of it. I... Oh, man. Yeah. I can't even begin to understand, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Like, especially, like, if you're the mom of someone who is probably 13 because it was the mother of a friend. Um, you're right. You are old enough to just let it be like you don't have oh, to fight with sure. a 13 year old or if you do have like a real problem with something that's going on like i'm sure you like the better option is going to that other parent and being like hey we have an issue your child's a piece let's, of shit yeah like let's all like talk about it yeah or you know so. just ignore it because <laughs> right. it's a 13 year old girl seriously Jesus. Yeah, and, you know, because of the nature of the whole thing, you know, I can't, I couldn't figure out, like, why this mother felt the need to do that or anything like that, um, but I'm sure it's not a good reason. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, on that downer fucking note, that's MySpace. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's still up to this day, so you can still go to MySpace and create a profile, um, it looks completely different than anything yes. it used to look like. And I'm pretty sure they've, like, disabled the ability to make those changes to HTML, so you can't make those, like, cool profiles anymore. Well, yeah, because they created um, their own profile editing tools. Yeah, so now it, it... But but you can't get it to, like, look like it used to be able to look, essentially. It's much more cookie-cutter nowadays. Yeah. 
I'm not sure. I haven't created one in a long time, but I know my profile still looks the same. Yeah. At least it did. I think I looked at it like when I got this big girl job, I wanted to make sure that. Oh, yeah. I didn't have anything weird. (laughs) Embarrassing on my face. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's um, this woman named Molly Lewis, a woman ahead of her time who is like a musician that wrote a song called um, like your, your MySpace or something like that. And like the chorus is like, I hope that you forget about your MySpace. I hope it slips completely from your mind. And I hope it stays up long enough for the next generation to find and I hope that it embarrasses your children. I hope their bratty friends all forward it around. And I hope that you forget your password so you cannot take it down. Oh, <laughs> it's like, you. oh my god. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my space. Dang all. And now I'm going to take a quick couple of minutes to tell you about the ultimate failure <laughs> that is Google+. Plus. <laughs> I feel like Google has had a oh lot of really good things that they've done. But they've also had, like, a lot of products where they or, like, projects where they, like, went full, like, they fully advertised things that just did not yeah. come in. Yeah, didn't being. fucking, oh, my God. They missed the mark on a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. So, Google Plus. <sighs> Let me tell you about this. <laughs> this was Google's fourth attempt at trying to be relevant in the social media playing field. <laughs> Oh, God. I didn't know that it was four. Holy shit. Yeah, they just fucking kept trying. Uh, So it was founded in the summer of 2011, and it died because no one cared about it in 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Users could link all of their Google stuff, um, like share photos, and they could do status updates and texts and video chats, um, and they can be in different groups and communities and have what they called a friend circle... So pretty much what you think of as a social media, it was just like skeletonized and very clearly Googleized. Um, right. So it was like very clean looking, very um, like <laughs> Facebook designed in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, it's it was like it was it was kind of boring to look at, to be honest. Like it didn't have right. a lot of personality going on. Um, so after its launch, it did have ten million users within the first two weeks. And by the end of 2011, it had 90 million users. Um, But the user engagement was abysmal. Like, no one fucking cared from the beginning. Um, And this place, this website, Comscore, estimated that users averaged um, about 3.3 minutes on the site in early 2012, while they were averaging 7.5 hours on Facebook. (laughs) Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so fucking bleak. Ugh. Seriously, Jesus, Google, I'm so sorry. Honestly, <laughs> at this point now, I wish that people would have left. Because I tried to leave for Google Plus when it first came out. Oh, yeah, I totally said what nobody else went. Yeah. So it was just like, well, I mean, I guess I just have both of these profiles now. Yeah. For sure. That's fun. <laughs> so in 2014, the New York Times called it a ghost town, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, so circles, like their friend circles, um, was their core feature 
it was um, like it enabled users to organize their people that they were friends mm -hmm. with into groups or lists so they could share like certain things. Like I can share this article to this group or I can share this thing to that thing. Um, and it right. used uh, various Google products and services. Um, and the so it allows you to create your own echo chambers yes. within your echo chamber. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Uh, so the organization of circles was done through just like a drag and drop interface um, until the redesign in 2015 reduced it to a simple little chat box. Uh, yeah. And like once it was created, um, you could make it private or you could make it public. Um, so you could have like work themed content for one and then you could have like dick pics for the other or whatever. Right. Um, so that's cool, I guess. There's that, that, <laughs> that going for it. Um, but wow. they eventually removed that feature, so they, they didn't anymore. Jeez. <laughs> um, yeah. So another function of the circles was to control the content of one's stream, which is like their timeline, if timeline, you will. Timeline, yeah. Really? Um, so if a user clicked on a circle, it would see like the stream from that circle. Um, so it was kind of like having groups on Facebook. Like you can go into the Facebook group and see all the shit that people post. That's, right. that's what it is, guys. Everybody knows what that means. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, the stream is a timeline. Um, yeah, so they tried really hard to get people to use their site, but it obviously failed. And they did a few redesigns that no one ever saw because no one has ever cared about that site. And they added games that no one ever played. And <laughs> they tried to, like, lean into the photography field. So they integrated, like, Picasso um, and like a that. photo editor and an auto backup that was later, later turned into um, Google Photos, um, like, Hangouts. Hangouts is still around. That was their chat and voice conference thing. Um, so, like, right. some of the stuff that they created for Google Plus did break off and become, like, staple Google apps, which is cool. Um, but, essentially, it was a pointless little thing. Um, so, the, the big thing about Google Plus um, and why... Like, if you didn't sign up for it, you probably didn't care, but you may have heard about it if you were interested in commenting on YouTube <laughs> in the earlier right. days. Um, so, on November 6, 2013, YouTube, Google's popular video hosting site, they began requiring that um, commenting on all the videos had to be done uh, via Google Plus account. So, it was... Bitches. <laughs> yeah, dude, It was harsh because no one fucking cared about that and no one wanted to make an account on google plus just to comment on youtube videos so people were like fucking mad as they should be and as we were right um and it also made it impossible to reply to um like pre-google plus integrated comments um so you know how you can see the comments from years past like you couldn't right. interact with them um they were just essentially just there and you couldn't so they do broke anything. their fucking site. Yeah, it was super oh fucking dumb, God. and everybody hated it. And it probably made people hate Google Plus more because they were like forcing people into it. Right. So dumb. Um, but obviously, everyone was like, "We fucking hate this." 
and even uh javed kareem uh one of the creators of youtube was like right fucking mad about it and he voiced his disapproval in one of a few comments subsequent to the change and he was like why the fuck do i need a google plus account to comment on a video and i can't comment here anymore since i don't want a google plus account <laughs> jesus he added that to this the description of the first ever video posted on youtube which is right oh my god <laughs> dude that's bd for sure oh my god wow yeah Dang. yeah so it wasn't until um the summer of 2015 that they announced that they would discontinue the integration of google plus like that's how fucking long it lasted holy shit yeah so that was probably the biggest wave that google plus ever made and it was completely negative <laughs> right i mean i really I never, I guess I didn't really interact. Like, I'm such a fucking lurker. Like, even, like, on Twitter, I'm in, like, group chats with, like, these people that I, like, love so much. But I just, like, I don't interact with people ever. I don't interact with comments. Like, it's, I try so hard to, like, you know, be a reply guy for the homies. But, like, mostly I just lurk on things or then, like, yell at people if they say something fucking stupid. Oh, yeah, dude. I so love So I guess lurking. I just didn't notice that. Yeah, I, um, like, on Reddit, I rarely ever log into my account. Oh, yeah, no. There's no reason to. I'm not trying to get karma. I'm not trying to get fucking whatever. Mm. I'm just lurking, dude. Yeah. Literally just, just here lurking. here for the lurks, man. Here for the lurks. So, yeah. that's Lurk more, uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, Google+. Dang all. It's not neat. (laughs) It's not neat. Well, I guess that means that next we're talking about LinkedIn. Oh my god, I love LinkedIn. I don't. Actually, actually LinkedIn's fine. I like LinkedIn. I went through a management class um, and they like helped me create a LinkedIn profile. Excuse me. A LinkedIn profile to like seem more professional and shit and um it's fine yeah it's <laughs> fine um, we had to create one when we were in college um so i have one um i guess for me like i it's great and i um i bet you know there are people that really love it and i'm sure it's really good for like headhunting and stuff like that but mm-hmm. for me personally like i don't have a need for it i i suppose being where i am geographically makes LinkedIn a lot lot more relevant for me because I am so close to, like, the Bay Area. So people use it. (laughs) Right, but I feel like, you know, people are, like... I think people, like, network and stuff. I'm in a uh, career field that we don't network. (laughs) Right, 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 right. I ain't doing that shit. (laughs) Um, I check it every once in a while. I make sure that all of my stuff is up to date on there and I, like, have, like, nice like pictures um obviously uh it's like a professional page and i have used it in the past to look at job opportunities in different areas yeah um because they do have an in-app uh job search that you can do and also you can make your resumes available to people within your industries 
and like with like the specifications that you have, which is really cool. Um, and you can network and that's important. Um, I used it a lot more when I was working for Black Hills Energy. Um, and that like there was like networking to be done. Yeah, if, um, if your job or your career field requires networking, it's really fucking great for that. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. You can definitely make um, professional connections that you may not be able to otherwise, and I feel like especially right now during like the pandemic and everything, um, it's probably a super tasty resource. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's start out talking, let's talk a little bit about history. Um so it was founded in 2002 uh, in the living room of co-founder Reed Hoffman. Uh, he was on the board of Google, eBay, and PayPal. Oh, so shit. You know, like the big boys. Okay. Um, and the site officially launched in May of 2003. Um, so it's one of the oldest mainstream platforms. It's older than Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, the mission statement was key to connect the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful. And at the end of the first month of full operation, LinkedIn had 4,500 members in the network. Um, however, on like bad days, it says here, um, and this is from the LinkedIn man, <laughs> um, which is crazy, a whole site dedicated to it. But, um, <laughs> I mean, if that's what I'm sure there's a, there's obviously a market for this yeah. because here I am on this man's web page yeah, right you now. Needed it. <laughs> right, exactly. So um, on bad days, there would only be about 20 signups per day. Um, so LinkedIn's founders were Reed Hoffman, Alan Blue, Constantine Gierich, Eric Lee, and Jean Luc Valiant. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the management team is made up of people from companies like Electronic Arts, Google, Microsoft, PayPal, TiVo, and Yahoo. So there's like plenty of people across the spectrum um, that have added to its success. And honestly, like if I was reviewing LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a solid fucking website. I mean, it has like a really well organized time, like timeline or feed, news feed. Um, it has, you know, you you can share all different sorts of content and information to and from the site. It has, like I said, its own integrated job search based on your resume and the things that you say that you're like certified in. Um, it also allows people in your social network, like in your work social network that you're linked in with. God, sound <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> but it allows people to endorse your skills. So, like, if you list yourself as having a skill, people can go on there after they've worked with you, like, say, for, like, a banquet, uh, like, a banquet event and be like, yes, you have, you know, this organizational skill or um, event and marketing skills or things like that. Yeah, and that's then, one of my favorite mm -hmm. features of it, honestly. <clears throat> yeah, no, so it's super great. And that way it's, like, cool, I have all of my professional references listed on this website that you can see all of the stuff that I've done, my work history, and people that endorse me for this skill. Um, and then we can, like, set up an interview from there. So, like, honestly, LinkedIn's a fucking baller website. Yeah. I think more people should use it. I think, it, like, like, if they could do away you. with, like, weird resume stuff and just have that... That'd send me cool. your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. That would be dope. Yep. If I ever get to like a level of a company where I'm like doing massive amounts of hiring, like I definitely want to like be like, yo, send me your LinkedIn or fill in this application. That's fine. Yeah. One or the but, other. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, have you seen that picture, for example? It's like a meme that goes around. It's like that person that was filling out, um, I think it's like an ADP <laughs> application. And it's like, submit your resume. And then on the next, like, submit your work history. And it's like, it's on my resume. <laughs> yeah, I listed yeah. it on my resume. Why did you ask me to submit my resume if you weren't going to look at it? <laughs> what to, like, look at my resume. Yeah, um, I fucking hate and that. I, I see me personally, I like resumes. No, a I lot. like resumes. I hate that they're like submit your resume and like then also fill history. in all of the information on this stupid, redundant application. I hate right, that. Absolutely. It's stupid. Yeah, no, it's super, super dumb. And I think honestly, it just stems from pure laziness because people don't want to look at resumes and actually read and get to know a possible hiree, which seems so fucking stupid to me because I think that the whole reason for having a resume is so you can see how someone speaks about themselves. Yeah. And then you're able to, like, interview them and have a better idea. Like, if you just have, like, a job history on an application with no context, it's like, well, fuck, man. Like, that doesn't really set candidates apart, you know? It really doesn't. So, Which is one of the reasons why I like LinkedIn, because it's, like, it gives you so much, like, a, a more of a look into um, how a person is than just numbers and letters on a piece of paper yeah anyways um so in 2004 they added an address book option so that you could invite your colleagues um and introduce groups to start building communities and uh they even went so far as to embrace a partnership with amex to promote offerings to their clients um, this started to broaden out its appeal and took membership up to 1,217,647 people at the start of 2004. Dang. Uh, 2005 was a big year for LinkedIn. It also started getting into a business mode with the launch of its jobs and subscriptions paid option. So that's, of course, um, the job function. Like you can get like a premium subscription, a paid subscription to LinkedIn. Um, the free version is totally fine, but you can get a premium subscription, which allows you to like do more networking, which I mean, if you need, if you need that, then you need it, you That's know, you do top tier networking. <laughs> right. Exactly. This is starting to seem like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> um, and then at the start of 2006, moved to 5 million members and launched public profiles as a record of your current and past career. So now at this point, um, people can go on, log in and see all of your career information uh, without having to, or any career information that you give them access to, kind of like on Facebook. Um, oh, right, and then right. they're able to connect with you. And if they connect with you, then they can see more information, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and then also the premium subscription as well is for employers or people who wish to view other people outside of their network's information. Like they pay to be able to see that job information. Um, and then in 2008, uh, it started to extend away from just the U.S. base with its first international office in the U.K., um, and then opened up Spanish and French versions of the platform uh, at the beginning of 2008 and 2009, the user count tipped over 55 million. Um, at the, this point, the CEO changed to a man named Jeff Weiner, who first joined as president and then became CEO in 2009. Um, his priority was to clarify LinkedIn's mission and values to set some strategic properties like CEOs do. 
This guy is really dedicated to LinkedIn. Yeah, shit. He fucking loves <laughs> it. He fucking... This man loves LinkedIn. <laughs> Hell yeah, LinkedIn man. Um, and then in 2013, uh, LinkedIn turned 10 um, and celebrated its birthday with over 225 million users across the globe. Um, and then it also lowered its age of entry and targeted graduates and like early stage people, like early in career stage people, um, instead of just kind of like the older, like working people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, as of now it is topped out at over 315 million users globally, um, which statistically is the majority of business professionals um, and people that are, are in elevated levels of business. Um, there are estimates between 350 to 600 million business professionals on the planet. So over 50% of the business professionals on the planet are on LinkedIn. Oh, that's cool. That's good stats for them. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, LinkedIn is like so chill (laughs) like it's literally a great a great model it's a great site they're doing exactly what they're doing and as far as i can tell there's really not a whole lot of competition for exactly what they're offering yeah and there's like i i mean i personally haven't heard of any like weird linkedin drama so that's appealing too no or like weird selling or buying of things or manipulation of user data or anything like that so yeah go linkedin yeah good job guys honestly you guys best best social media site that i personally have seen (laughs) in our endeavors to research like social media sites so claps for you (laughs) love it um yeah so that's linkedin and uh last but certainly not least or you could say most least because honestly, shit's fucking scary. Yeah, because want It's like if the mafia was like a social media site. Honestly, let's be real. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna talk about Facebook. Crickets. Uh, so Facebook, Crickets. Seriously, seriously. Uh, Facebook is a terrible place that no one should go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. So Facebook is a from 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 Wikipedia. Facebook is a social networking service launched as the Facebook on February fourth of two thousand four. It was founded by Mark Zuckerberg with his college roommates and fellow Harvard University students Eduardo Saverin, Ed, 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 fuck, <laughs> Andrew McCollum, Dustin Moskowitz, and Chris Hughes. Uh, the website's membership was initially limited to founders or limited by the founders to Harvard students, but was expanded to other colleges in the Boston area, the Ivy League, and gradually most universities in the United States and Canada. Uh, and by September of 2006, to everyone with a valid email address, along with an age requirement of being 13 years or older. Ugh. Facebook filed for an initial public offering or IPO on February 1st of 2012. Is the age after- still 13? I think so. God, they need to bump that up. Honestly. Honestly. They really, really do. Or something. I don't know. I don't know what they need to do. I'm not a multi-billion dollar CEO or, or anything <laughs> like that. And then part of me, look after looking at some of the other stuff that they've done, maybe that's exactly what they want. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Maybe true, true. Mark Zuckerberg is actually Lux Luthor and he is trying to take over the world and also isn't a real person and I is maybe a lizard man. He is just a lump of wax. <laughs> His skin is too fucking smooth. I don't okay? fucking like All it. All I'm saying. It's weird. <laughs> 
and his haircut. What is that? It's because he's in love with Augustus Caesar, which is something that I found out while doing research, which is not something that I want to know or care about, but it also makes a whole lot of fucking sense. When you look at his haircut. (laughs) Right. And just the way that he behaves. Oh, I Um, hate it. Why does he look wet all the time? It's weird. He He does. He looks wet all the time. I I don't like it. Okay, go. go Um, (laughs) He's like a newt. He's a newt man. Oh, gross. Oh, he's a little tadpole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so after the initial public offering, Zuckerberg retains a 22% ownership share in Facebook and owns 57% of the voting shares, which I think has gone down. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, underwriters valued the shares at $38 each, um, at its initial public offering, which, uh, essentially put the company at a valuation of $104 billion. Jesus Christ. At its public, at its initial public offer. Oh, I literally just got shivers. Shivers, oh, dude. Shivers, Ooh. shivers. Uh, 1.82 billion daily active users during the third quarter of 2020, a stock price of $285 per share, and was worth $250 billion in 2010 with a current valuation of $774.47 billion. Jesus. It's stupid. That that doesn't exist. That amount of money does it not physically exist. exist. <laughs> it literally does not exist. And I'm a little bit upset that you it. think that it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when Facebook first opened publicly to the markets, like I said, the stock price was $38. So that's like a massive, a massive jump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then um, Facebook has acquired 78 companies over the past 15 years. The company's first major purchase was made on August 23rd of 2005, where they bought the Facebook.com domain name uh, for $200,000 changing it from the facebook.com to facebook.com i mean good move good um, move right 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 they just drop the the it just sounds cleaner yeah <laughs> speaking of justin timberlake <laughs> um out of the 78 companies that facebook has acquired this is from titlemax.com the cost for just 27 of them has been disclosed to the public these 27 deals alone were valued to be more worth more than 23 Billion Jesus. dollars worth of acquisitions. Holy so who, fucking Christ. Who do they own? Who do we know that they own? So the, bi- the big, big ones that we know because they are now displayed at the bottom when you log into the app are Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus VR. So Instagram was purchased in 2012, right before Facebook's public offering at $1 billion. Yeah, I hate that they own... Instagram because Everything. um like it really fucked with some of the things that I liked about Instagram. Right. But I do like that you can link your accounts and then share to both. Yeah. That's nice. But now it's like at this point now too like they have they've tried they tried and failed to take over Snapchat, which I'm sure they might get eventually. Probably. So now they've introduced their own forms of like stories um both on Instagram and on Facebook. And the thing is, they've linked everything to make it the same account within the Messenger app, as well as... This is just recently. This just happened, yeah. like, I think, like, a month ago. 
Um, however, like the features that are available on Instagram still aren't available on Facebook in some ways. So when you share a story, all of that data is not going to be transferred. So it's not going to look exactly the same or do exactly the same things. Yeah. Because it is technically still separate. Um, well, yeah. And what else is weird is like if you create your own story and share it from your Instagram and it's linked to your Facebook, it'll go to your Facebook. But if someone tags you in a story and you share it to your story on Instagram, it doesn't get pushed to your won't. Facebook. Exactly. It's so, so like, weird. it's not completely compatible across the board. They've yeah. like messed with some things and it's a little bit irritating. Also, it's just like I we have friends that are in the business of art and also other things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so it's really irritating, especially as a woman, to be censored constantly uh, on Instagram now and have so many people that I know have their accounts taken down. Oh, yeah. Um, because of quote-unquote inappropriate content which I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that like you were talking about like I think Facebook's join age is only like 13 or something like that but instead of like being able to provide an outlet for people to view not safe for work content they just completely got rid of it yeah it's so dumb a lot of um sex workers and such are moving to Twitter yeah yeah because they have a little bit less of a harsh um process with that uh but also twitter's fucked too which yeah i'm not gonna get into it but i'm super mad (laughs) everything everything sucks right now (laughs) yeah um so some of the top shareholders are still the founding members of the company um so mark zuckerberg dustin moskowitz and eduardo eduardo saverin edgewater edgewater (laughs) saverin eduardo saverin are still the top three um shareholders in the company with mark zuckerberg has a hundred or sorry 11.92 million Class A shares and 392.71 million Class B shares, equaling 53%, 53 53.3% voting power overall. Um, So really quickly, Class A shares are, if from what I understand, Class A shares are worth more money, but there are less of them and then they separate them into class B shares, which are on, on a second shelf, which then they're able to dissolve some of that so that they can have more shares to spread around, but they're class B shares as opposed to class A shares. Okay, okay. The stock market isn't fucking real and someone yeah. should do something about the hellscape that is modern yeah, it's capitalism. Super weird and I fucking don't like it. <laughs> Money isn't real. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just going to be a turnip Eat trash, farmer. sleep under the stars. <laughs> I'm going to be a turnip farmer. That's it. Right. I'm going to turn my life into Animal Crossing slash Stardew Valley. There and that's it what it's going to be. That's all I want. <laughs> I'll go to the dungeons at night and fight skeletons and slime balls. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. That's all I'm looking for. Um, Dustin Moskowitz has 48.9 million Class B shares. And Eduardo Saverin has 6.1 million Class A shares and 47.2 million Class B shares. So it's a lot of shares, essentially, yeah. is what we're saying. <laughs> so, obviously, since its inception, the fucking social network, the social network, has been completely shrouded in controversy from the get-go, because I think, mostly, it's just maybe Mark Zuckerberg, sorry, Zuckerberg <laughs> is 
uh, smarmy bastard. It's a possibility. I don't know. <laughs> um, essentially, Facebook was started because Mark Zuckerberg had been approached by the Winklevoss twins, which are two Ooh. six foot five, two hundred pound Olympic rowers. Oh my went god. To- he went to Harvard with. Oh my god. Um, yeah, dude. I got to look at Army Hammer. Oh man, I watched The Social Network again. It's honestly, it's one of my favorite movies because I personally think that Mark Zuckerberg is just as evil and manipulative and gaslighty and shitty as he seems in the movie. Yeah, you can tell personally. because he's a lump of wax. <laughs> that, but also, like, it's like. He comes out and he says these very professional things to, like, the public and shit like that. But then, like, you keep fucking doing shitty shit all the fucking time. So, like, there has to be some reason why you're doing that. Either it's because you're a shitty person or whatever. That's why I think that he maybe is an alien with the goal of taking over the world. Could be. Could be. Circling back to last season. (laughs) Right. Circling back to last season. These are the reasons why Mark Zuckerberg (laughs) is literally a world domineering alien. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, But yeah, so he was the Winklevoss twins were played by Army Hammer in the social network. And I don't know if you knew about this from the Twitter episode that we (laughs) were talking about. Uh, I'm a big fan of Army Hammer, <laughs> so that was quite a wonderful experience for me, and it always is whenever I get to watch The Social Network. Um, but anyway, so uh, Mark Zuckerberg was approached by the Winklevi, as they're called in the movie. Oh my god. <laughs> and their business partner, Divya Narendra, Narendra? Narendra. Um, about a project called Harvard Connection that would be a social networking site specifically for Harvard students, like what they described as an online Facebook. So a face, like, but but with the ability to interact. So the Facebook or Facebooks, rather, were an online database, kind of like a yearbook where you could see everybody's stuff that was going to Harvard. So that's why the Facebook. Okay. Okay. Essentially. That's why it's called the fa- the Facebook the is Facebook. because or originally it was called the Facebook is because it was one central Facebook where you could do all of these things and interact on a social networking platform. Um so meanwhile, Zuckerberg was still developing his own site between November 2003 and February 2004, he communicated with the twins through a series of 52 emails and several in-person meetings. And then Zuckerberg launched the Facebook in February of 2004. Two days later, the Winklevosses learned of the site in the newspaper for Harvard, which is the Harvard Crimson. Um, They sent Zuckerberg a cease and desist letter. And then Harvard Connection eventually launched a few months later as Connect... A few months later, sorry, Munch... I don't know where that came from. We didn't do it. Um, as Connect You, um, but obviously failed to gain traction because the Facebook had had so much more of a head start and was more popular um, just among the students using it. Uh, in February of 2008, the two sides finally settled um, a lawsuit where Facebook acquired Connect You's assets in exchange for 100, sorry, 1,253,000. Sh- thousand three hundred twenty six shares this is so much money yeah. it's just so much money it's like what it's, the fuck i can't like you start listing off numbers and i'm just like some number i can't 
comprehend. Cool. cool right. It's cool. hard for me to even say this. I live in a one bedroom apartment. What the <laughs> fuck, dude? <laughs> um. So they exchanged it for essentially what comes out to one hundred eighty million dollars and twenty million dollars in cash. Um, that wasn't the end, however, and this is from a Mashable article. Um, in March 2008, the ConnectU founders filed another lawsuit attempting to rescind the settlement. They argued that Facebook misled them for the true value of the stock. Um, the twins also sued their law firm, Quinn Emanuel, for malpractice. Also, Wayne Chang, founder of a file sharing service called i2Hub that had partnered with ConnectU, sued the twins for 50% of the Facebook settlement. Uh, so it's basically just like a continued, like, triangle of lawsuits cool so it's just Um, like this back and forth or just exchanging monopoly money right exactly (laughs) because it doesn't mean anything and it's not real um but essentially they haven't been able to do anything for years because the facebook lawsuit was settled and that's just what it is um and then eduardo savran also sued um, because he was cut out of the Facebook when it went public. So until 2009, he wasn't even acknowledged as a co-founder um, after that happened. And so he sued in 2003. Um, he approached Savran about the Facebook. They were friends and colleagues, obviously, at college. Um, he asked Savran to become his business partner and asked him essentially for um, early investment. So he needed $15,000 for the servers needed to run the site. In return, he'd get 30% of the company. Okay. Uh, when okay. Facebook took off in 2004, Zuckerberg and another co-founder, Dustin Moskowitz, decided that they wanted to move to Silicon Valley in Palo Alto, which is where all of this, you know, stuff is still continuing to happen. I don't know why they made that decision or why that was the place, but apparently it was. Um, According to business insider Zuckerberg asked Saverin to take care of the paperwork, get funding, and figure out a way to make money. Um, but Saverin was slow to make decisions and slow to sign off on paperwork. Eventually, his role was taken by entrepreneur Sean Parker of uh, Napster fame, <laughs> who quickly, yeah, who quickly secured a five hundred thousand dollar investment by PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel. Um, who now owns an investment firm in Silicon Valley. Zuckerberg was able to reduce Saverin's stake in the company from 30% to less than 10. Um, and his equity was diluted from that point onward. So as they continued to get bigger, he owned less and less of the company. Um, as detailed in the social network, Saverin eventually sued Facebook. The matter was soon settled. Saverin got about 5% of the company in total, worth more than $2.5 billion today, and signed an NDA that essentially has kept him quiet since. Um, so the social network came out in 2011, stars um, Jesse Eisenberg as... Mark Zuckerberg. The, the lump of wax. <laughs> the lump of wax. Uh, he does a really 
good job. He kind of comes out and portrays him as like a very aggressive, gaslighting, socially manipulative, dead-eyed, uh, fucking asshole. <laughs> and, which is like all I can imagine that he is. And so there are some like obviously like it, it's a drama, and there was definitely things that were probably taken out of context. It was apparently also based on a book that was written by a guy who likes to skew the facts a little bit. In fact, it was written by the guy who wrote the movie that then became 21, which is the um, Kevin Spacey movie about the college students from MIT that go to Vegas. And oh, all right, money. right. Which is like, there's like some truth to it. And like, you know, like, oh, they went on, you know, a trip to whatever, but they didn't like get beat up by bouncers or right. fucking make millions of dollars. Yeah, they made they were, it fantastical know. and it wasn't. Yeah, so so that's the kind of source material for the social network. So yeah, there's been things that have been skewed and things like that. Um, apparently, Patricia Chang, I think, is her? Oh no, did I say that wrong? Um, but Mark Zuckerberg's now wife. Um, is she a lump of clay too? Or wax? No, Priscilla Chan. I don't know how I wrote that incorrectly. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but they were apparently dating when he was developing the Facebook. So the whole um, blog post at the beginning of the he like at the beginning of the movie, he gets dumped by his girlfriend because he's a douchebag. And then he <laughs> makes a website called face match where <laughs> they rate people based on their hotness, <sighs> based on pictures that he got off of the Harvard Facebooks and combined them, yeah. and it was just Remember really fucking mean and terrible. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's, like, pretty much what it was. So it was just, like, really fucking shitty and mean, and he was, like, drunk blogging about it, and that really did happen. And the thing is, he didn't get broken up with. He's just a fucking douchebag. Yeah. Like, that's the whole problem of it, is, like, he didn't need a reason to be shitty. He just he was. He was shitty. <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, yeah that so I just sucks, dude. <laughs> he just really doesn't seem like a good person, and he has done so much to try and make the public think that he is this like harmless nerd person. Yeah, but really, I think that he's a bad guy, and I think that he's terrifying, and the amount of power that he has is really fucking scary. Yeah, and it's um, weird that he has that much money and that much power, and his hair looks like shit. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I there's there's a couple of people that I know uh, that are in positions of power that have really really terrible haircuts. Oh my god, um, I get it. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> um, so this is from an article in Business Insider. So in 2010, uh, Mark Zuckerberg was named as Person of the Year seven years after starting the Facebook. Gross. Dumb. Um, so that same year, so I guess it was 2010, not 2011. Um, the Social Network was released and won awards for its portrayal of Facebook's founding. Uh, Zuckerberg maintains that many of the details in the film are inaccurate. I'm sure. Right. Uh, he says this all the time. Um, in 2012, Facebook bought Instagram for $1 billion, like I said, right before Facebook went public. Uh, in May of that same year, Facebook had its initial IPO, listing for $38 per share. The next day, Zuckerberg married longtime partner Priscilla Chan, who is a doctor who had just graduated from medical school. Uh, the company honeymooned in Rome, and Zuckerberg got to live out his obsession with Augustus Caesar, which is just fucking weird. Super weird. Um, 
2013, he got fucking owned by a white hat hacker who tried to report a security bug, and then no one responded, so he hacked Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook account and posted the bug on his wall. Dope. (laughs) Pretty dope. Um, in 2014, he spent $100 million on two Hawaii properties, including an entire white sand beach and a former sugarcane plantation, taking that land away from, like, native Hawaiians who felt that they were being pushed out of their island. Yeah, I'm sure they were thrilled, too. Yeah, absolutely. That it was him of all people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that same year, Facebook faced criticisms for the revelation that it was conducting psychological tests on 70,000 unconsenting Jesus. participants in 2012. Okay, so this one is really fucked up. Um, so, essentially, what happened, do you know those React buttons? Yes. Those were a fucking psychological test. Oh, weird. Yeah, so essentially what they were doing was they were giving people content and they were letting them rate it based on an emotion that they were feeling represented by emojis. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't dude. get the reactions for the longest fucking time. Yeah, so you were probably not part of that that initial experiment, but the fact of the matter is is they experimented on people without people's consent and without anybody knowing what was going on. Uh, Facebook CEO Sheryl Sandberg said this was part of an ongoing research companies do to test different products, and that's what it was. It was poorly communicated, and for that communication, we apologize. We never meant to upset you. So essentially, they turned the whole of Facebook into a market test group without fucking telling anybody, and certainly not without fucking, like, without paying anybody, which is fucked up because... Marketing surveyors make, you know, money when they do shit like that. Yeah. Like, you should not be able to. And I think that's kind of like an ongoing theme, not only in the real world, but also in other forms of media, talking about the war on your personal data and what exactly it costs. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then in 2015, uh, Priscilla... And Zuckerberg had their first daughter, Max, short for Maxima. Um, They also started a foundation, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, pledging to give 99% of their Facebook shares or $45 billion to advancing human potential and promoting equality, which sounds fucking terrifying coming out of his mouth. (laughs) Yeah, like, I think it's like transhumanism, (laughs) like uploading people into the cloud and shit, which is like good, but like, you know, if it's an evil person doing it, you know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And then in 2016, which was a very, very difficult year for everyone, it was also a tough year for Facebook, in which it faced controversies for removing an iconic Vietnam War photo and also suspending video of the Dakota Actis Access Pipeline protests, um, which was fucking insane. Like, they were taking videos down of police violence against the protesters at the Dakota Access Pipeline protests. Um, and also, like, taking down, like, protesters that were, like, live streaming and, like, talking about, like, what was going on. So it was real fucking bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, they also faced heavy criticism for misinformation surrounding the 2016 U.S. presidential election, especially after a BuzzFeed report showed that false news stories outperformed real news. And this is something that's still fucking catching up to them because they're still refusing to like do things like fact check political ads or remove information from Facebook, um, like people that are like Holocaust deniers and shit. Um, 
In November, BuzzFeed and Bloomberg reported that Facebook spent the second half of 2016 trying to buy TikTok's predecessor, Musical.ly. Um, however, the company's interest in the China-based app drew scrutiny in light of Mark Zuckerberg's recent criticism of the Chinese app. So it's like, he's evil. Yeah, he's like, just trying to like eat up everything. He wants all of the things all the time. He wants all of it. Um, and then but in 2018, why? where's the motivation? I don't know. That's the <laughs> thing. And I don't know if it's like, he thinks that he can make everything better. Um, I, but at the same time, I like, doubt some, that's his motivation. <laughs> right. Because like some of the things that he's said and some of the things that have come out about him are just like, it doesn't like, it doesn't make sense. And then we also, of course, have um, the Cambridge Analytica scandal in 2018, Um, which for those of you that don't know, um, essentially, here's an explain like I'm five. A guy created a psychological test on Facebook with Facebook's permission as it was for uh, research only. Uh, he harvested user data and all of their friends' data, something like 50 million people. Cambridge bought the data off of him and sent negative adverts to targeted people um, based on what they thought their voting preferences were to try and influence their voting. Um, And this was, like, right before... This all came out in 2018, so it was, like, present for the 2016 elections, which is why there was so much shit up in arms about it. He had to like testify in front of Congress. It was really fucked up. Um, To add to this, they targeted individuals based off their perceived neuroticism or fears. Uh, Since the 2004 Bush election, micro-targeting has been the norm for political campaigns, but their data is usually run through voter registration databases. This time, it was looking at an entire population and their fears and their posts and everything that they had liked and the kind of music they listened to and found data connections and data points between all of those. Um, That's so creepy and weird. Dude, it's terrible. It's so fucking bad. Um, How is this connected to Russia? Well, the campaign produced by Cambridge Analytica and the Russian campaign on U.S. elections were scarily similar. It's the question that begs to be answered. How did Russia know who to target with its networks? Um, It explains why polls predicted 90% chance for Hillary to win. Polls use the same tactics campaigns did, looking at voter registration and micro-targeting. They typically look at voters that turn out rather than people that can vote. That's where California came in and, or sorry, Cambridge Analytica is just abbreviated as CA. That was automatic (laughs) response. Um, Came in and Trump won out of nowhere. Um, I also made comments about why it's worrisome earlier, and I didn't even scratch all of the implication. Um, They're showing you one ad based on your fears and your friend another. You're not getting the same information. Combine that with polarized media, and you have a population in scrambles divided. You should be getting anxious by now. Um, So that's from Reddit user Ryabi303. <laughs> on a on an explain like I'm five from Cambridge Analytica, so it's it's just fucking scary. It's I don't even know, and that's my thing is like I really don't know where it's coming from because like why is he trying to get all the stuff if it's not for good things? Do right, you know what I mean? Exactly. So it's just really, really terrifying. And I think the Cambridge Analytica thing was the thing that scared me the most about everything. Because when you log into Facebook, 
You have tagging abilities so that you can check in in different locations. You can tag people and places and restaurants and businesses and business pages on your different pictures. You can add your favorite music, uh, your favorite places to eat, um, where you live, where you work, all of the previous jobs that you've held and what sector they're in. Yeah, Facebook has like your all likes of this and information. dislikes and your movements and your personality are all on Facebook. Right. So if you take that and then you match it up to voter rolls and, and voter registration and you find all of the pinpoints and the data points of what people believe and what people think and you put it all together, it's literally it's the largest propaganda machine on the face of the planet. Yeah, it really is. Like, even in 2008, another one, um, apparently Facebook, with its lack of censorship and an actual review of the things that are posted on the site, um, it was revealed that the social network was used to incite genocide among the Muslim Rohingya minority in Myanmar uh, by the country's military officials. And that's something that they just, you know, happened to skim over and miss. Like, these were, like, large-scale posts and things being sent to people through the Messenger app um, calling for genocide and ethnic cleansing. Jesus like, Christ. And they didn't filter it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's... I I just... I don't even know where to begin or, or end, really. Um, yeah, because of all of this shit. It just shit. keeps going and going and going. And getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And all of these things are happening beside, behind the scenes, and it's really nice that we get to know them now. Um, but also this is, it's, it's spun too far out of control at this point for anyone to do really anything about it. Um, the latest scandal on Zuckerberg's plate, uh, this is again from the Business Insider article, is that, uh, has been about political advertising on Facebook. The company does not fact check political ads, which has drawn criticism, criticism from politicians and employees and seems like it will continue to be a headache for Facebook, especially going into the 2020 election. Um, also, pretty much every employee that they have, like from companies that they have acquired, has left for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, there was a case of a woman who was a content moderator at a facility in Florida who had a heart attack. And then when they tried to do some investigation about it, they found that the working environments were fucking terrible. Um, I, for a brief moment, dated a person who uh, controls remote control things for um some alphabet boys if i can say that that's probably about as far <laughs> and um and he said that the person doing that job before him had to go on disability uh because his brain was so fucking fried from all the terrible things that he had seen sitting behind a control box oh, um cool. and it's very similar Jesus. to essentially what's going on with facebook content moderation um, just being forced to consume all of these things that are being reported because things do get posted on Facebook that you end up never seeing because of content moderators. Right. Like 
things like videos of people getting fucking beheaded Ugh, or like yeah. animal abuse and things like that. Like these things happen. We find out it like we hear about them in the news. Not so much anymore because, you know, the news is everything fucking else going on. Right. But it's just like it's a terrible fucking environment. And when you're subjecting a human being to sit in those conditions forever, like you better be fucking paying him well. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Oh, my God. Yeah. I bet the turnover rate is fucking insane. Right. So uh, so that's Facebook. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Run. <laughs> um So yeah, this I mean this entire journey that we've had with social media going through everything I feel like has kind of been a build up to this and and just has slowly like it's this is I feel like the most intense series that I think that we've done because of all of the stuff that it contained in terms of like how we have grown and changed as a culture and a society, not only in this country, but across the world yeah. in regards to our lives being almost exclusively, yeah. or at least able to be viewed online. Well, like, virtually everyone in the modern world has an experience with social media. Right. Which is insane to think about. This is, it's crazy. Um, and that's so much data and that's so much information. And the thing is like, it could be used for good if people were allowed to know. And it brings up a lot of questions about just existence in general and governing is like, is it true that, you know, people can't take care of themselves? Like if you're you know, more quote unquote intelligent, or you feel like you have a better grip on things, or you come into a place where you're in a position of higher power, like, are you qualified then to take care of the needs of the masses? And it's like, is that why Mark Zuckerberg has so much power, wants so much power, is because he's trying to, like, I don't know, steer the ship or something? I don't fucking know. Yeah. But it's crazy to fucking think about. Yeah, it, it makes really me is. deeply it's, uncomfortable. <laughs> it's hard to like wrap your head around it, and um, so I simply won't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm making a conscious decision to not instead. Yeah. Um, and I really don't use Facebook that much anymore. Like, I'm mainly a Twitter person. I have a lot of friends from around the world that I do not have any other connection to otherwise outside of Facebook. Um, but the, the degradation of polite society on Facebook has just pushed me away, like, probably since 2016, I want to say. Yeah. Not saying that it was, you know, peaches and sunshine beforehand, but I it gives it gives too much information. It's like, you know, when people say something like, I don't want to fucking go to their profile and then see that they, you know, are huge, like blue lives matter people or like huge Trump supporters and things like that. Like, I don't want, I don't want that much of a, of an insight into other people's lives. Um, because I feel like it has turned me into a very cynical person. Yeah, for sure. Um, which I don't want to be. I want to believe that we can all come together and make a change and do things peacefully and take care of the people that we need to take care of, especially right now because everyone's going through really, really terrible times. Um, and I love being able to see when my friends and family and people that I care about do those things and make our communities better and stronger. Um, and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and et cetera give me a way to do that. But 
I just, I just don't even know, man. Yeah, it's it's a lot to think about, um, and you know, especially like you and I digging into this like research project essentially on social media, and you know, we these are like hour to two hour long episodes, so it's not like we're not writing theses or anything. (laughs) Um, So just like the bleakness that has come out in these episodes is really shows you what's lurking even further. (laughs) Right. And it's, um, it's like sad and weird and I don't want it to be sad and weird and social media shouldn't be sad and weird. It should be social and happy and, uh, it's just not. (laughs) Right. How have we gotten away from that? That's what we should, we should start our own, like my space little sister um, that has like all the cool features that you can do and not collect crazy amounts of user data <laughs> for advertisement and, um, make it cool again. <laughs> Maybe we could. Maybe we could. Yeah. Jeez. Well, that's sorry to, <gasps> oops, excuse me. Sorry to end on a bummer, guys. Womp womp. <laughs> yeah. There's not many nice things about Facebook, honestly. No, there really isn't. <laughs> I really, yeah, other than just, like, you know, like I said, like, being able to form connections with people all over the world, um, and, like, getting to see, like, when I was, because, like I said, I'm six years older than my little sister, so, like, once I left home, like, that was one of the only outlets that I could, like, see, you know, what was going on in her life, is, like, seeing my mom or her post pictures on Facebook and things yeah, like that, and it's so, really like, it's nice a good for resource that. for those things. It's less commitment that's all it should than, be. like, making a phone call. <laughs> Right. Um, Which I, I think adore. that's what it should be. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the whole idea of social networking, like it should be about creating friendships and experiences and things like that. And I just think that the quest for power and money has created a tech bubble within the existing tech bubble that is making things so much harder for everyone. Um, I also think as a human, our brains aren't ready to be exposed to this much information all at once this quickly. Um, I think that the advancement of technology, especially in terms to like news information, um, and sharing capabilities, uh, advance too quickly for us to be able to comprehend the information that we are receiving and so has led to a lot of problems with mental health. Yeah, for sure. Um, Which has been, like, a common theme in every episode of this season. Right. Um, And so I think that that's something to kind of step back from uh, maybe, like, like I said, moving forward into this year is kind of, like, you know, recentering and understanding the situation that we're in and trying to put ourselves first in terms of, you know, like health, I suppose, if that makes sense at all. Right. Yeah. Um, Like mental health specifically. I have a friend of mine tweeted today, like many of us, 2020 has been the worst year of my life. 2021 is likely to be just as difficult and I'm just going to keep on waking the fuck up to whatever happens and try not to lose hope for good things to return. Yeah. So. Like that. Yeah. Kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Well, and then like um 
there's like especially like on facebook and stuff it's you know people are friends with all kinds of family members and whatnot and some of them they may not enjoy a whole bunch and there's Mm -hmm. like this weird pressure whether it's within your own family or within even yourself um like you can't like unfriend them you're like well i can't unfriend them because you know it's my grandma or whatever this is the only way i talk to her or whatever um right maybe this is the year that you do unfriend them (laughs) right like you because you need to take care of yourself yes because you literally curate your own timeline Mm-hmm. So, um, my friend Erin, uh, years ago, she, the only, she has Instagram and she has Twitter and she, I don't think she's ever had any other thing, but, um, she was talking about, she's always been a, uh, like an unfollow if you don't like it kind of person, which I've always admired her for. Um, right. but she's had, you know, friends, like good friends even that have like called her out and were like, why did you stop following me on Instagram? Um, and she's just really honest with them. And the thing that I think about often when I unfollow people is she said, I love you. I don't love your blog. (laughs) Right. And it's like, yeah, if you don't like the content that they're sharing, that's fine. It doesn't mean you don't like them as a person. Right. Because I, I have friends that I follow on Instagram that I finally have, like, stopped following because I don't want to see, you know, whatever they're sharing. Like, I don't I don't care. Right. It's also, like, friendships are so diverse and, and exist for so many different reasons, whether or not it's a work connection or, um, like, things like that. Like, there are people that I have that I'm friends with at work or at jobs that I have had that I enjoy spending time with or going out with for a drink, but I do not want to see what they think in terms of politics. Right. And I don't think they're fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to see their posts on, like, I don't want them to see, and, like, for me personally, Instagram is, like, more about, like, seeing, like, pictures of, like, where people are, like, traveling, food, things like that. And, like, I definitely have, like, a very curated timeline of things that I want to see on my Instagram. Right. And so when people post, like, fucking shitty memes on their Instagram, I'm just like, I'm yeah, not going to fucking I don't follow. Care. Like, this is stupid. When, like, really every other care. post is, like, meme dump. I'm like, nope, that's what Facebook and Twitter are for. Don't bring this exactly. to Instagram. <laughs> exactly. We Instagram don't shit post for, like, on photos. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. <laughs> and if you do, that's totally fine. I just don't want to fucking shit post on my Instagram, and I don't no. want to look at shit posting on my Instagram. No. And that's totally fine because it's my decision. Yeah. Um, Just remember the power that you have, I suppose. Well, and I think this has nothing to do with um, social media, I guess, but I want to say it anyways. um, I think maybe in just like the English language, I'm not sure, but we don't have enough words to describe the various levels of friends. Um, Right. Because there's people that I'm quote unquote friends with on the internet, um, but we don't talk outside of the internet. We don't go to each other's events. We don't meet up, right. you know, and like that to me is a different definition than like someone who's actually a friend that I like get lunch with or something like a meat space friend. Yeah. 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 Cause if you're not getting lunch, then you know, <laughs> they're not my fucking friend, <laughs> but I have nothing else to call you. So it's, it's so weird. Um, right exactly because like people get offended if you call them like an acquaintance 
or my follower yeah or this like Like, this is a close acquaintance meaning i'm friendly with you i may even like you but the only time i ever talk to you is when i'm buying a pizza from you or something you know like right we're not doing anything outside of that one thing interaction yeah yeah and which can change at any point. Like, I have a friend who's, like, now someone I consider a close friend who, like, really fucking saved my ass over this in-between-the-seasons period and, like, let me stay at his house for, like, a fucking month Dope. in Washington that I met on Twitter. And, like, I had never met him before. And he, like, totally helped me and Jeremy out, like, in such a huge way. Um, and is now, like, a very close friend to me. Um, so, like, yeah, like, that... that definition of the relationship can change and like people grow and people like have new experiences etc etc somebody that you're friends with on instagram and have never met in real life can meet you at a show and be like oh my gosh i follow you on instagram then you can go for beers and like you know become the best fucking friends like that's totally like that's a total possibility but up to that point like friends online and friends in real life are you know they could even be the same level of relationship in terms of like how much effort you put into it but they fill different needs yeah exactly socially yeah it's we need more words to describe different relationships yeah dude i okay this is getting too deep now i'm not gonna say what i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) we can talk about it after but yeah so well um What's something that you've been playing? A video game? Or just even just, like, a really good thing? Here, here here's a better one. Because I think I know that what we've both been playing recently. Um, what is something that, despite all of the craziness that happened through 2020, that you were really grateful that happened last year? Um, last year, I was able to um, become healthier physically and mentally, which was surprising and also relieving. <laughs> right. Um, so that, that was really cool. I, um, I really focused on myself in that way and I'm better off for it. And I'm glad that I did. And it's such a weird thing because so many people, um, you know, their health physically and mentally got worse in 2020, which is 100% understandable. Um, right. So it's not something I feel like I can say a lot, you right. know, because I don't want to make people feel any kind of way about themselves, but right. I'm happy about it. Um, like I, I've had, I cut hair for um, like seven years <clears throat> and I had really bad, I still do, um, tendonitis in my shoulder, um, from lifting it up constantly. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I've struggled with for years and it hurts really fucking bad some days and some days it doesn't. Um, but this year, like after I started like actually weightlifting and really paying attention to that, um, the pain is so much less (laughs) and, um, like I can tell that my shoulders are like actually sitting they're not completely level yet, but they're like closer to being level and I don't, I'm not in constant pain and it's, that's really cool to me. Right. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm happy about that. 
Yeah. What what good thing what good thing happened to you? Um so it started out as what I thought was a bad thing. Um but after I went through it, it made me a lot more aware of myself and my presence in life and making sure that I am taken care of um, before I care for others. Not to say that you shouldn't care for others, but that if you're extending yourself past your own capabilities, then nobody's taken care of. Yep. Not just like the other person's taken care of and you're not, but you're not able to take care of them or yourself. 100%. Um, which is a huge lesson for me because like I have always, always been a, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. Yeah, I can help. Let me help. Let me do all the things person, which is fine. And yeah. you can be that person as long as you're taking enough time to be able to maintain yourself. Yeah. Um, so that skill and, and the boundary setting is going to be a big one for me continuing on into this year and like learning about who I am as a person. It's such a good Um, thing to learn and know about yourself. Right. Um, and I thought that I had like a pretty decent grip on it until I went through like a pretty traumatic thing. And then it was like, no, actually, like I need to be able to like, you can't over nice people if people are not being good to you um and you can't defend people past a certain point if they are not worth defending and it's causing you more harm than it is them help for sure and and you have to move forward with your life knowing that that's okay to let people go and to move forward yeah. and to set those boundaries. And so that, that I think is like, even though it came out of like a really shitty experience, <laughs> like I think that that was really important for me to learn. And also just like understanding that like, I do not have a safety net. So if things go wrong and I don't have a safety net, then I am so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's important to like, have that for yourself and like, Maintain your care of yourself and then go above and beyond after you have that base oh, level. Yeah. It's one of, um, and then go from it's there. why one of my favorite, like, mottos, I guess, or things to live by is gotta look out for number one. And I am, yeah. I am number one. I am the number one. I'm the only one that I will have for the rest of my life yeah. forever, guaranteed. Um, I am literally inside of my own skin. And if I'm not, you know, protecting my shit, then. <laughs> Uh, there won't be any me left. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's really important. So, yeah. So I know it's kind of, I mean, kind of a strange one, but like a big piece of like mental health as well. And it's like, shit's been fucking really fucking weird this year. And I've gained a lot of strengths because of it. Kind of like you talking about your shoulder. Like I've been doing some fucking mental weightlifting and I'm really glad that the result of that is coming out stronger and more balanced and, and more understanding and opening, like open to learning more lessons yeah. Um, about how to continue to be better, not only to myself, but to other people. And I think that without this year, I would have gotten to it eventually, but it definitely kickstarted a lot of things for me. Right. Um, so, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Long distance high five. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of a delay. I'll make it match up in post. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So thank you guys so much for continuing to listen throughout this year. I know that this has been a big year for podcasts, so thank you for choosing to listen to this one. Yeah. Um, we love you. It's been a big year yeah. for social media, so thanks for listening to a series about social media. <laughs> yeah, even though it got pretty dark a lot of the time. <laughs> Um, I, this was really fun to do and, and really illuminating and, and makes you think a lot, which is a super cool thing to research because I like things that make me think. Yeah. Um, so uh, also this year we were able to start up our website. So we have a bunch of different resources there. You can just go to bitesizepodcast.com. Oh, um, uh, tell them about the Twitter situation. Oh, yeah. Okay, fuck. <laughs> so someone apparently tried to hack into our Twitter um and so we have to file an appeal with twitter because it says that our account is locked for suspicious activity so if you don't see any tweets that's why we're still active on instagram and i have filed an appeal with twitter i just literally have to wait for them to respond which has been almost a week now so yeah it's it's going super well it's going so well um which i do understand because like it's over the holidays and also like i'm sure that there's been a lot more suspension of accounts and and things going on what with the election cycle and also everyone having literally nothing else to do but be on their phones it's been a fucking year for everybody yeah so i understand but also like i'm kind of pissed off that i can't just like 24 hour chat with someone from the website yeah like a <laughs> yeah a twitter support yeah kind what of thing. the fuck twitter yeah so get your shit together twitter because i'm fucking pissed okay thanks <laughs> um yeah but other than that other than our twitter all of the other links and i mean it does link you to our twitter i just don't know if you can follow it right now um or you can see our posts but it anyways yeah um the bitesizepodcast.com that's b-y-t-e-s-i-z-e podcast.com has our link tree and all of the stuff that we have available as well as our patreon and of course especially this past year because you know it has been so hard thank you so 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 much to our patreon subscribers we got beer we got justin j we got daniel j and we do have a new one this year michael i so thank you so so much for donating to our patreon and supporting us and making this a possibility it's really cool Um, and it literally is very helpful (laughs) Seriously, like, we host our website and our podcast hosting service, like, through those funds. So thank you so, 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 so much for what you do. You're literally making it able for us to do this. So you're the best. And if anybody else likes our content and wants to support our content and help us do lots of fun, new, cool things in the future, like, for example, we just posted an indie review uh, to our Patreon, we do an indie d- review monthly, video and also game review, other not video. Sorry, not porn or not anything. indie music. Or, <laughs> yeah, um, wouldn't that be interesting? Just a um, porn review. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, no, we do an indie game review every month, um, and then also like little cool news niblets uh via nibble sode <laughs> on our patreon that you can check out if you're a subscriber and um the prices are set pretty low right now so it should be pretty accessible if that's something that you're wanting to do definitely check out our website all of our patreon information is there and thank you so much for making it to 2020 with us gang yeah let's we did it let's fucking do it again but better this let's year again. better this year <laughs> We're going to make it through this year. Yeah. This is the end of yeah. the um, 
social media series, so we will be taking a short break and then coming back yes. with a, a new series. Yeah, so you'll uh, keep keep your ears to the to the feeds um, for a trailer <laughs> for the next one. I don't know. It's not like, it's like you wouldn't keep it to the ground because. Yeah. I mean, maybe if someone's playing it on a speaker. The or internet is but... a series of tubes <laughs> <laughs> filled with cats looking for cheeseburgers. It is what it yeah. is. Find the um, nearest cute cat in your vicinity, and it will tell you about our new purrs. series. <laughs> yeah, if you put your ear to its stomach and it purrs, it'll tell you all you need to know about our next series. <laughs> on that lovely note, thank you so much for being here once again. Have a wonderful new year. I hope you had a happy holidays and we'll see you later. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.